0: Welcome to the SAME Real-Time Podcast, featuring an inside look across the Society of American Military Engineers and the work that our 30,000 members and 105 posts are doing to support national security and strengthen the engineering potential of the United States. And now, your host, SAME Executive Director, Joe Schrodel. We have the great pleasure today of spending a, a few minutes with Mr. Mark Levin, who, of significant note, recently anyway, to, uh, to SAME, was our, our keynote uh, trainer and speaker at our Post Leaders Workshop just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm not going to read Mark's bio, but I'll tell you, Mark impressed us with his work and, uh, and just a, a few background points. Uh, Mark is the executive vice president of the Chainlink Fence Manufacturers Institute. He's got many years of experience as a speaker, a consultant, as an executive with with a myriad of organizations. But most importantly, he's probably one of the few executives you know, that, that has uh, both a CAE and CSP uh, certification. Uh, not important to this discussion, but but one of the most important things, I read one of your books, Mark, and, and it was the one called uh, Managing the Membership Experience. And the minute I read that, I said, this is the right guy to bring to the SME audience. And I just want to tell our audience, before I, I, I let you introduce yourself a little bit more, uh, you know, we've already got our feedback from the Post Leaders Workshop survey, post survey. And 98% of our respondents, and most of the people responded, answered the question in the affirmative. Do you feel like you can implement what you learned from Mark Levin's leadership lessons immediately? 98% said yes. So, sir, it's an honor to have you on the call today. So, Mark, how about tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, some of the work that you've done and the books that you've written, too.
1: Well, thanks, Joe. Uh, I certainly uh, had a wonderful experience at the post-leadership workshop and uh, appreciate the, the good feedback from everybody. Uh, I've been in the association business for a number of years. I actually started working uh, early on as a fundraiser and membership uh, specialist for the Boy Scouts of America. So it not only gave me a, a background in association management, but also in uh, the, the membership area specifically. It was, it was a great uh, opportunity for me. And one of the things I really enjoyed about working for the Scouts was that they had one of the best executive training programs I've ever been to. It was, uh, if you're military people, well pardon the expression because they probably don't like the comparison. They do send you actually to a, a executive director's boot camp uh, and they put you through a lot of uh, role playing where you have to basically spend a day or a week in some cases being all of the volunteers that you're going to work with. And that's where my background in working with volunteer organizations really started. Uh, then I was executive, uh, or excuse me, the membership director for the Associated Builders and Contractors, which I know many of your members are familiar with uh, through their their posts and, and through the different state organizations. Um, I was their national membership director for about six years during uh, a, a pretty good heyday for membership uh, with that particular group. Uh, and my chain link fence group, I've been the, their executive director for more than twenty years now. Uh, and they also are related directly to construction and uh, the construction industry infrastructure. So some of your members are, probably have worked with my members in that group, too. So my background comes from both, the, as you said, the speaker side, where I'm working with uh, now more than a 1,000 different organizations around the world over the last 25 years. Uh, as a speaker, consultant, working with them, but also on a day-to-day basis, I have Basically, Joe, I have your job working for the Chainlink Fence Manufacturers, so I, I see both sides of the, the volunteer run uh, trade and professional associations on a daily basis.
0: No, that's great. And, you know, along the lines of the, the membership piece, uh, one of the things that you, you taught us here a couple of weeks ago that intrigued me and intrigued a lot of our folks, as you know well, and, and really appreciate the work that you did ahead of time to understand you know our run to 2020 and our approaching centennial. I mean, you really, you really captured the hearts of of the audience because you knew so much about us. And I just, I just want to share that with you. That that comment, more than any, came came back. But one of the things that you highlighted in our run to 2020, we talk about increasing member participation, and you referred to it more as engagement. Hey, talk for a few minutes about. And maybe help some of our our members who are listening uh, understand, you know, the difference or the nuances, and and maybe some some tips or ideas on on how they can get more of their members to be more active. Thoughts?
1: Well, I think the um, the terminology is something that that some people don't think there's much of a difference. I I think there is participation. I think has been one of the frustrating parts for especially for the volunteer leaders uh, working at the the post level. Uh, And and we tend to look at from a leadership perspective at our ability to get members to feel a part of the organization by participation, and in our minds we think of participation as showing up for something. And unfortunately, I don't think we live in that world anymore, and we haven't for probably the last 15 or 20 years. If we beat ourselves up over how many people are coming to meetings, educational programs, social functions. Fundraisers, community service projects. Not to say that we don't want all of our members to participate at that level, but we just don't live in that world where people are going to do it. So what we have to do is rather than get people to participate only in terms of thinking that they're they're active, thinking that they're getting something back for their for their uh, being a member of the organization, if, if we if we limit ourselves to looking at how many people are showing up, then we're going to be in the same kind of frustration. So what we need to do is we need to find ways to use all of our resources not just technology but also some of the traditional communications tools we we've used with our members to engage them in an organiza- in the organization in a way that's that's personalized and customized as best we can to each member or at least to each segment of our membership so what we've got to do is use our tools to really get them understanding and believing that the things that, that the, the posts are doing on an ongoing basis do have an impact on their communities uh, and also on what they do individually uh, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the field, whether it's as a, uh, an, an engineer or whether it's an uh, active duty uh, safety uh, professional or whatever their, their role is. And that engagement could come in a number of different forms. The engagement could just be that they're following everything the post is doing. The fact that they're not showing up doesn't mean they don't know what's going on and aren't appreciating it. And we used to call those uh for for one of a better term in the association business. We used to call them checkbook members, you know. They they paid their dues but they never showed up to anything. And so we kept hoping they were going to come back again. And I think that's that's an old-fashioned way of looking at it. I think what we have to do is we have to say even though they don't show up, we know they're engaged because we've got some systems we're using to track their involvement at, at a way that doesn't necessarily mean them getting in a car and coming to a meeting <clears throat> and so that's why I think the word engagement is more important uh, and engagement could be something as simple as we know through a, whether it's a survey a, a, a direct response that we've gotten from them or some other kind of, of information gathering that they are supporting us they know what's going on and if they don't show up that doesn't mean that, that they're in danger of dropping out because they are getting engaged in a way that's comfortable for them
0: you know, that's, that's a great perspective, and appreciate you sharing it here because I think everybody needs to hear that. Uh, you've really changed, I'll tell you, how I look at it. And that that kind of leads to another question. Um, so so, what are the implications, then, of that, that way of looking at things? What are the implications of uh, what what the posts, for example, do? For example, our posts right now, I think, are, have a little bit of a, I'll, I'll call it a hang-up on we have to have a meeting once a month. And as you're suggesting, attendance of that meeting is not the right metric. So I guess my question is, what implications does changing the way you look at things have on what you actually do and what you offer? And as an example, one of the things we're we're starting right now is something we call a virtual student chapter, where we can get students who we give scholarships to and we're not sure where they wind up in a university or they wind up in a university that's not near an SME post, but we want to keep them engaged through this virtual chapter. Is that an example, uh, in your way of thinking, of the kinds of things that we should be considering these days?
1: Well, again, uh, Joe, I think a little bit of it is the terminology. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of groups are using the term virtual members and virtual chapters and virtual posts and things like that. And when they, when we first started, we've always had virtual members. We just didn't call them that because th- technology hadn't reached the point that it does now. And those, we used to call, those are the people we used to call the checkbook members. Uh, they were, they were out fair. there but never. Uh, so when we, I think we have to be a little careful moving forward. I, I think we're okay with using the term virtual. I'm just talking now from, from my perspective. Yep. I think virtual in some ways, when you use that specific terminology, you have to be a little careful about setting them up to not physically participate because you're actually telling them, we don't expect you to come to anything. And I don't think we want to go quite that far either. I think what we want to be able to do is, is to come up with some terminology that's comfortable for what we want, which is basically letting them decide what their participation or engagement level is going to be by giving them as many choices as we can. And the other thing is is measuring things. You know, you, you talked about uh, monthly uh, post meetings. Some organizations still do great with that. Others don't. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things where, uh, and, and I know that SAME is really uh, trying very hard to do this, is you want to create, for the, for the post, you want to create an environment where you're giving them support information, guidelines, best practices to put together the post that meets the needs of their members in their geographic locality or in whatever structure they've got, and not to say that this is what a post looks like in every place that goes along, and that's something that's been hard for a lot of organizations to try to to get away from, Uh, and that's why I think these virtual organizations, whether they're student chapters or even uh, offshoots, uh, geographic offshoots, where people can't physically attend the meeting. I think those are wonderful to do, but I think there's a space for all of this in here. I think we're still in that transition phase. And what we want to continue to do, and I know you've talked about this, uh, SAME wants to continue to, to find out where the leadership is in, these, in the posts and where we can give them the tools to use that flexibility without losing what has made the organization so great for so many years, and that's the, the commonality, the, the understanding that everybody is working in the same field. Uh, so w- we want to have the structure there without the, the uh, formality to the point where people think, well, this is what they say i got to do and it's too hard for me. What we want to tell them is we want you to put together a team that can, that can deliver value to the members in a structure that's comfortable for you, and here's, here's the tools to go do those things.
0: Wow, what a, what a great way to put it! Uh, you know, appreciate you, you know, reaffirming uh, some of the things that we're doing. But boy, it's it's great to hear you articulate it the way you did. So we we can actually sit back and say, yeah, that's what we're really trying to do. But but again, and that just to, to reflect again on what you and I discussed uh, and what we share with our members all the time, the the, the path that we're on, and, and it all started with uh, the the simple statement. Which is that we want to be one society, as you know, 102 posts spread all over the world, but one society of vibrant posts that are relevant locally, which is the way you just described it, but contributing to this national direction. So, and that's the reason why, as you as you just mentioned, I appreciate you remembering that uh, that we spend so much time and effort from the national office level, you know, trying to find ways to give posts those tools, the options, the guidance, the best practices. And the things that they need to figure out what do they need to do at their level. So I appreciate you re- reaffirming that. you know. And in that regard, in terms of figuring out what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, you, you gave us a construct uh, that I think is, is worth you mentioning again. And it was this NB, the way you put it to us and made us kind of think a little bit, NB-G-I-T-Y-G-I-A-G-H. A very powerful little tool for helping helping anybody figure out well, what is it I should be focusing on now and what should I be doing. You want to talk about that a little bit? That was a pretty pretty handy tool.
1: Well, it was uh, a tool we've used in in, uh, in a number of different uh, situations. But basically, what it boils down to is when when people come to things like the, the the post leadership workshop they get full of so many ideas that it, it almost gets overwhelming as how many things they can do and they go back to their poster or their organization and then they're not sure where to start or those things so we gave them just a little tool to use as we went through um and and the nb are no-brainers and those are ideas that you pick up at these programs, sometimes they're not even in the formal sessions, they could be just in, uh, you know, in, in some informal talk over lunch where somebody says, here's what we did to get people to come to our meeting. Well, the leader listening to that says, listen, there's no, I don't need a board meeting, I don't need a, a bylaw change. That's a good idea, it's something we can do. I'm just gonna go back and recommend to our people we find some way to do that. The, 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 the good ideas, and later this year means that sometime during this next year, maybe we do need a, a committee we don't have for that idea. Maybe we, we aren't ready for that financially, but sometime this year we want to be doing what that, that post is doing or what that organization suggested uh, because it's something that we can do. Uh, we, we just need some time to put it in place. And then the last column, which I unfortunately had to tell people was probably going to be their longest list, stood for great idea, ain't going to happen now. Because it's it's a great idea for one of the large posts that's got a big leadership core and, and a stable membership and good finances to go and put on a particular program or to get sponsorships at a certain level. Uh, it's a great idea, but it's not right for our post right now. So rather than beating ourselves up trying to do something that we're not ready for, let's put that on the side for a year or so down the road and maybe when we get to the point where we can look at some of those things, we can start working on them. But it. But the whole point of that was to help them organize the, the literally the takeaway, the, the the things they can go back and actually do, because that as you know, Joe, that's the frustrating part about coming to these things is the 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 leaders that attend get all psyched up. Uh, everybody's there feeling the same way. there's a good energy, there's a lot of ideas flowing. But they have to go back and motivate people that weren't there. And that's a completely different thing than sitting there at these meetings, taking notes and going back and saying, boy, this is great. We're going to have a good year.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that uh, timing is everything. So it just so happened that this morning uh, one of our local and one of our larger posts, our Northern Virginia Post, had their board meeting. And uh, Miss Kathy Off, who I think you met at the Post Leaders Workshop, uh, went ahead and attended the board meeting. And one of the reasons she attended was to see, you know, how did what happened at the Post Leaders Workshop get translated to the board? And I'm happy to report to you that uh, there was a in her, her report to me just about a half hour ago, uh, a great translation. Uh, they didn't take the action plan per se that we handed out. Or your notes per se, but instead they actually, the leaders who were there, actually sat back and distilled out of everything that they collected. And perhaps they used this tool that we just talked about, but they distilled out of everything they collected at the Post Leaders Workshop, and that's what they presented to the board. So I thought that was an interesting fee that instead of just walking into the board cold with a whole bunch of information and letting the board try to sort it out, they actually helped the board leadership. And, and and apparently, even even took uh, your your tool as a good idea to call that down before they even walked in. So that's some feedback for you too.
1: Great, um, appreciate that.
0: In that regard, you know, you, you, you gave a, a pretty one of your one of the sessions you gave uh, in your training was, was talking to putting the best leadership team together. Yeah, you know, how about a couple of thoughts? The, the most important pieces in your mind and how at a post level. A post can put the best leadership team together, so they can actually put into practice these things we've already talked about.
1: We've talked already about the uh, the idea that they don't want to get over organized to the point that everything is structured. Um, I know that the organization uh, has military in the name, so and certainly the military in its culture. But I was taken, uh, I guess, a little bit by surprise when I when I went there to see how many. Uh, young people there were, were, that were at the leadership session. How many women were in the leadership session? And really, you pointed out to me what a small percentage of the membership is still active duty military. Uh, and the reason I keep using that is that sometimes when you hear military in, in the name of an organization, not being a military person, you, you make little, I guess, assumptions or stereotypes. About you know, it's going to be a very structured organization. Everybody's used to following orders and doing things, which they are. But that's not necessarily the same structure that a that a, a post has because it's a volunteer-run organization. Even if they're in the military, they're 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 sitting around that board table at the post level because they they volunteer to take on those roles. So, a couple things we talked about. Number one was was don't stereotype older and younger members. There, there's, there's a place to use the skills of, of all the, the myriad gener- generations that are in the workforce right now. Don't get too, uh, too structured that people feel at, like they're coming in as outsiders and they have to put in years and years before they gain any stature or, or level of, uh, of voice in the, in the leadership of the organization. Because I think that's really important, especially because people with technology these days have got so many options as to, as to ways to communicate and get their, um, their thoughts, their, their ideas out uh, into the public through social media and things, that they want to come into an environment in the leadership of the post where they feel like they're being listened to. And that's one of the things that, that, that technology can't do, and that is give them the ability to interact on a physical basis and talk uh, to other leaders about how they can go ahead and, and, and make the post, uh, a, a valuable tool for the, for the career development of the people that are members of, of the organization, because that's what it's all about. Um, and then the other thing was, don't hope each year that somebody's going to step forward. Set up some type of a system in your organization to identify who the people are that, that show the skills, the interest, the energy, the adrenaline, as it were. Uh, that you would want in leadership roles and, and create some kind of a path for them to get involved in the decision making uh, and the top leadership of the post because otherwise you're just hoping that the right people step forward rather than trying to find people that would make good leaders and help develop them so that when they're ready to take over key leadership roles in the post, they've had both the experience and hopefully some of the training or interactions to give them the tools to be successful volunteers.
0: No, that's great. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, well, good. Well, Mark, appreciate uh, the time, and, and I don't want to take too much of your time, uh, but a couple other thoughts. Uh, and I want to give you you know one last chance to, to offer any other thoughts. So as you know, we're we're on our run to 2020, going to turn 100 years old in just a couple of years. And, uh, and and I think you and I had a chance to share uh, some of what our plans are. Well, we're looking forward, first of all, to, to you kind of being with us a little bit on that journey in the next couple of years. Um, as some of our listeners don't know, uh, we've invited you back next year, and we, we hope that you can can join us. Uh, we'd also like to have you be a part of our centennial celebration uh, the following year. Um, and, again, we want we to continue to learn from you and your experience uh, and, and all the great things that you've already brought to us. So part of the intent of this podcast is to whet everyone else's appetite to be there next year. And uh, but, in the meantime, uh, any, any of the thoughts for us as an organization as we move forward in the way that you've you've seen and heard uh, as we move toward our our centennial and our next century of service? Any other, any other thoughts for us?
1: Well, two things that I can uh, maybe finish up with. first of all, i I've never had the pleasure of being with an organization that that's reaching a centennial. I've been with a couple of organizations that were there their 25th and their 50th, but, but never 100. And uh, this is truly, truly a lifetime opportunity for SAME. Um, people pay attention to 100 years. It, it just grabs their attention from both an internal perspective, meaning people that you're talking to about being members of the organization or leaders in the organization, and certainly from all the many publics that, that the Post and certainly SAME uh, work with. The, the, uh, the constituent organizations, uh, the media, the, the different uh, uh, people and organizations that are important to your success, they're gonna, the, a centennial is, is a tremendous opportunity, not just to wave the flag and say, boy, we made it to 100, but as you said, to talk about we're building on the 100 years to make these changes in, in, in what we're trying to accomplish starting now so it's a great transition time you got a, a the build up period of a couple of years to start thinking about it that one year where you've got you know that that big opportunity and then building off of that so i think the key as as it is with everything is getting the posts uh involved and engaged in in helping you all take advantage of that and i think you all need to give them from your level certainly some very um, I guess yeah, impl- implementable, if that's a word, uh, ideas on how they can make that, that hundred years something special at the post level too. Well, and that,
0: then, go
1: ahead. It, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no. I said, go ahead. I'm, you, you're, this is exciting. Keep talking. <laughs> well,
1: there, there's one more thing I wanted to mention about yeah. not being a. Uh, uh, and I don't know how how germane this is to to this topic, but it's back to, to you know having worked. Uh, in Florida at the post-leadership workshop. The culture of the organization is important, but cultures change in every organization as as years change, and so the, the run to 2020 is an opportunity to transition into whatever culture you all decide you want without losing any of your traditions, and I think that's really important. Uh, not only to the organization, but to the, the kinds of an organization you've been in and that you want to be. And I mentioned before not being a military person, having some of these stereotypes about the military. And we talked about this uh, a, a lot during, during the, uh, the leadership program. But there's a difference between being a leader in the military or in a corporate setting and being a a leader in a volunteer situation. And we we talked about this at the program, about the fact that the people sitting around that leadership table or board table uh, in the post don't have to be there, and that's the difference. So where in in the corporate world or in, in the military setting, we're used to informing or instructing people. What you want to do as a leader is you want to empower them. And, and that means that there may need to be some leadership skills awareness of the leaders in here because some of them are used to, because of either their position in the military or the corporate world, saying, okay, thanks for all your input. Here's what I want you to do, you to do, and you to do. And that's okay. That's great because we're looking for people who have direction and everything. But, but giving them, even at that level, that flexibility, saying, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Come back to me. With what you and your team can do best, I think that's that's going to make a huge difference in them being able to initiate some of these uh, run to twenty twenty activities that you all are planning.
0: You know, I think that's a a very powerful powerful message, uh, Mark, and you and I agree a million percent. And you know, one of the things that I constantly remind, uh, and I don't have to remind, but but that we talk about here in the national office, the only full-time paid staff in the organization, and that is that, that we are here to support volunteers. We are here to recognize volunteers. We're here to appreciate volunteers, and we're here to empower them, just as you just said, uh, to, to do what, what they want to do and what they feel is right to do for the organization. And, and, it's, and it's in that, that simple word called uh, thanks that we, we ultimately embody um, you know, the feedback to them that says, wow, that was a great idea. And, and as a matter of fact, I'm happy to report, and I can do it here, I guess, that uh, uh, a, a, one of our members has stepped forward, um, uh, Captain Bob Bevins, who's a Coast Guardsman, but uh, he, he has stepped forward now to, to be the, uh, the national chair of our Centennial Planning Task Force, and Amazing. he's going to pull together more volunteers. And to your point... We intentionally, very intentionally said that our centennial will be best if it is led by a volunteer, led and supported fully by a volunteer and a volunteer team, as opposed to me or or somebody else uh, from my staff. So uh, that's another good affirmation that that we're on the right path uh, in following some of your guidance, so that's great. Well, again, Mark, look, I really appreciate the time, and I want to respect your time. I could go on forever talking to you. We we, we hit it off and really appreciate what you've done. Can't even begin to say that on this call, um, that the appreciation that our, our members and those who are there have for, for you. And when we talked about bringing you back, it was a unanimous, yeah, we got to get them back so the other members that we send next year, the other leaders that come back can can hear more from Mark. So. So, Mark, thanks for everything that you've done uh, for our profession, for the society, for the nonprofit world, for the association world, for, for our country. And, and really, thanks for what you've brought to, to SAME. And uh, yeah, future thanks for what you're about to bring as we uh, keep you in the family over the next few years. So thanks.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Jim.